I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. You're listening to Wiretap with Jonathan Goldstein on CBC Radio 1. Today's episode, Into America. Thursday. My friend Starley calls me up from Brooklyn and tells me how she met a woman that morning who was cursing a pile of laundry on the street. She couldn't carry it all home, so I helped her, Starley says. When they arrived at the woman's house, the woman told her that she was lonely, as she'd only recently moved to the city and had no friends. Before they parted, the woman asked for Starley's phone number, which Starley gave her, correct, all but for the last digit. I just knew we could never really have a friendship, Starley says, and changing just one number made it feel like a smaller lie. As you get older, making friends becomes more difficult. Even keeping them does. And so you end up having no choice but to start enjoying your own company more than you might otherwise be inclined. I am reminded of John Candy in the movie Spaceballs, a Star Wars parody where he played a Chewbacca-like character named Barf. I'm half man and half dog, he said, and so I'm my own best friend. That woman with her laundry, Starly, me, and perhaps all of us, must all learn to become a little more like Barf. Sunday. Starley calls up again, this time in a nostalgic mood. She begins reminding me of when we first met, when we both worked at the same radio station in Chicago. Remember when you first moved to America and didn't know anything about our culture, she asks? Remember how starry-eyed you were? Star and stripey-eyed, I correct. Do you remember, she continues, how I introduced you to all-American treats like soft honey-glazed pretzels and aerosol cheese? Sure I do, I say. To some extent, my friendship with Starlee has always been a relationship built on cultural exchange. In Chicago, riding the bus to work, I used to try and teach her the ten provinces. Saskatchewan, Manitoba, she would dutifully recite. And when she comes to visit me in Montreal... She acts like Alice down the rabbit hole. During her last visit, when we went out for steamed hot dogs, she overheard me asking the counterman where the mustard was. La moutarde est sur la poubelle, he answered. Such a beautiful language, she said. If I have a girl, I'm going to name her Poubelle. Moutarde if it's a boy. Not only does it sound like a unitard for cows, I said, but moutarde means mustard. Well, I think it sounds debonair, she said. And Poubelle, I informed her. That means garbage. Well, I think it sounds southern and feminine, she replied, growing slightly annoyed. But now on the telephone, there is no trace of annoyance. Only bon omi. When we lived in Chicago, she continues, do you remember how out of place you were? You were like my cousin Balky or Mork from Mork. Remember on your first day at the office how you tried to pee in the water fountain? That's a lie, I say. 
And anyway, where exactly are you going with all this? It's at this point that Starley springs her question on me, her condescending, patronizing question. Did you hear what happened in America? Uh, what, what are you referring to, the, your new president? What do you think I'm referring to, yeah, that Barack Obama is our new president? Well, yes, yes, word has traveled to Canada. All the way to Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very exciting here. I'll bet. We have, we, we're a respectable country now. Oh, you, do you feel that way? I feel patriotic. Wow. I'm, I'm bursting with pride. It's a great day in history. You must feel pretty left out in Canada. Well, I mean, You're I... You're going to feel the pride that we feel. Why? Well, you know, I feel, I don't know, adjacent to, to pride, I guess. Not the same, not the same at all. Like, I'm bursting and you're kind of seeping <laughs> with pride. And, uh, like, I feel like it's been so long since mm-hmm. I have felt good about America that I wanted to kind of do something to, to commemorate it. I wanted to do something to, to honor that feeling. Oh, really? Well, you're not going to burst into song, are you? I'm not going to burst into song, but there's only 10 provinces, but there's 50 states in America. Okay. And that's a lot. Even Americans have a hard time remembering all 50. Mm-hmm. And so I assembled, in honor of our new president, mm-hmm. President Obama, I've assembled a sort of virtual road trip across America, Jonathan. Oh, yeah? And I'm going to be performing this road trip with my upstairs neighbor, Arthur, who you also know, I think. I, I, yeah, I've met Arthur. Okay. So Arthur, my neighbor, and I, he's going to come down to my apartment. He lives right upstairs, and we're going to perform the 50 States. You're going to do that for, for me? Yeah, because you're my friend, and I want you to feel a part of this amazing piece of history that's happening. That's amazing. But, and, and, and Arthur agreed to do this? Yeah. What's in it for him? I had to offer him a sandwich. Uh-huh. Okay, so I'm going to get I'm gonna get Arthur down here, okay? Yeah, sure. Yeah. This is exciting. Arthur! St- Starly, Starly, what are you doing? I'm calling Arthur. How are you? Arthur! Starly! Arthur, get down here! That's what you do? You don't You don't call him on the phone? I'm on the phone. I can't call him. I'm on the phone with you. Uh-huh. This is how our building works. It's very, very thin walls. Arthur! Oh, I think he's coming. Hold on. I hear him on the stairs. Oh, okay. This is how it happens all the time. Whenever I need some sugar, like the plunger or something. You, d- you just yell through the wall. Oh, it's better for the environment. How exactly is yelling at the top of your lungs oh, wait, better for Arthur's the... Arthur's here. Arthur, will you pick up the extension? Yeah. Right, yeah. Hello? Arthur? Arthur, you remember Jonathan, right? Oh, hi. How's it going? Good. I, uh, how, did, how exactly did you get roped into this? Um, Starley said that I was uh, going to be participating in a cultural exchange. Mm-hmm. And getting a sandwich. Upon completion of the job. Uh-huh. So, Jonathan, just sit back and enjoy the 50 States. Okay, cool. Thanks. Okay. Arthur, you stand over there. Look at me. Face forward. Shoulders relaxed. Deep breath. Now, like we practice. I'm just going to turn down the tape here for a moment to explain to you a little something about Starley Kine. She loves production value. And everything, from doing the dishes to taking the dog for a walk, becomes a production. A big, fat production. For instance, one morning Starley woke up and decided she wanted to see a live panda. And so what did she do? No, she did not rent a documentary or even go to the city zoo. She flew to China. Another example? When she moved from Chicago to New York, she had a going-away party. But unlike you or me, Starley Kine invited every single person she'd ever met in Chicago. Work acquaintances, waitresses from restaurants she ate at, shopkeeps, everyone. She rented at a hall and hundreds of people came. There were several musical acts, spoken word performers, and an auction where she had people bid on the belongings she was leaving behind. 
book jackets, used towels, and half-eaten boxes of cereal. So that she had brought down her upstairs neighbor and had written a little play for them to perform for my benefit, to instruct me in American geography or something, that for Star Lee is par for the course. Deep breath, just like we practiced. Johnny, I'm going to put this on speakerphone, okay? Okay. Okay. Ready? Uh, yeah, let's do this. Go. Vermont. I went to the last fish show ever in Burlington, Vermont. Worst day of my life. Rhode Island. Fun fact, hanging above my bed is a poster of Buddy Cianci, ex-mayor of Providence. He went to jail for beating up someone with a ceramic fireplace log. It's true. Connecticut. I went to my friend Whitney's house for Christmas, and a wiener dog named Oscar fell asleep in my lap. Pennsylvania. Philadelphia's Muter Museum has a display of over 2,000 objects extracted from people's throats, including rusty safety pins, buttons, and childhood toys. New York. A stranger I met on the street once told me the best pizza in all of New York is Picnic Pizza. It's exit 19 off Route 28 in a Holiday Inn parking lot. What? New, New Jersey. Jersey. Frankly, I'm still stunned by Picnic Pizza. Maryland. Maryland. Home of the Charm City Roller Girls. Delaware. Delaware. Official state bird, the Blue Hen Chicken. Virginia. Virginia. When I was there, I met a cop named Bill Murray and a cab driver named James Taylor. West, West Virginia. Virginia. Birthplace of Olympic gold medalist Mary Lou Retton and also Don Knotts. Kentucky. Kentucky. Unofficial state cocktail, the mint julep. According to the nerd who wrote the Wikipedia entry, mint juleps were mentioned in the season finale of Golden Girls. Tennessee. Tennessee. Home of Dolly Parton and the Great Smoky Mountains. Hubba hubba. Georgia. Georgia. Check out the Stone Mountain Laser Light Spectacular, where lasers dance off the carved faces of Confederate heroes. Alabama. Alabama. Botanist George Washington Carver found hundreds of new uses for the peanut. He also loved giving back rubs. It's true. Florida. Florida. According to Russell Banks' book, Continental Drift, Florida is where hope goes to die. Louisiana. Louisiana. Best Bloody Mary I ever had. Arkansas. Arkansas. Freeman Owens invented slow motion, which filmmakers have been using to emotionally manipulate us ever since. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. 6,300 of its bridges are in disrepair. Missouri. Missouri. Childhood home of Arthur Jones. He's a former fat kid. The ice cream cone was also invented here in 1904. Iowa. Arthur. If you build it, they will come. Illinois. Illinois. The movie Lucas was filmed in Glen Ellen, which captured on film the world's first slow clap. Indiana. Indiana. Famous Hoosiers include Garfield, Dan Quayle, David Letterman, and my uncle George and Aunt Garnell. Ohio. Ohio's dead to me. Why? It knows why. Michigan. Michigan. Detroit Piston Tayshawn Prince hasn't missed a basketball game in three years. Way to perfectly attend, Tayshawn. Wisconsin. The Ramada in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, is haunted by a ghost named Walter. Minnesota. Kitty litter was invented here. North Dakota. Fastest growing population of people over 85. South Dakota. Home of beloved Native American Crazy Legs, whose name in Lakota meant into the wilderness, but his friends just called him Curly. Wyoming. State dinosaurs are Triceratops. Nebraska. When I was six, I went to the University of Nebraska State Museum in Lincoln. I saw the skeleton of a giant woolly mammoth. Best day of my life. Kansas. Amelia Earhart was from Kansas. She was hot. Hubba hubba. Colorado. While traveling through the Rocky Mountains, Alfred Packer allegedly ate five of his traveling companions. University of Colorado named a cafeteria after him. The slogan, have a friend for lunch. New Mexico. Kevin Zucker's mom lives here. Texas. Houston postal worker Jefferson David McKissick spent 29 years of his life constructing a museum dedicated to his favorite fruit, the orange. He called it the Orange Show. It's pretty crazy, but in a good way. Nevada! Nevada. 
In Leaving Las Vegas, Nicolas Cage decides to drink himself to death. He meets a cute prostitute. They make a deal where she's going to be cool with his drinking as long as he's cool with her whoring. Here's a scene where he crashes into a coffee table and gets covered with glass. Oh, 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 I'm a prickly pear! I'm a prickly pear! Idaho! Mashed potatoes supposedly cure hangovers. Montana. Montana! Rolling Stone called its governor, Brian Switzer, hot. Hubba hubba. Washington! Washington. Mount St. Helens erupted on May 18th, 1980. Oregon. Oregon! Jolie, my cousin, lives in Portland. She sends me earrings every year on my birthday. Too bad my ears aren't pierced. California! There's a 150-ton concrete dinosaur along the side of the road of Cabazon, California. It was recently bought by a bunch of creationists who don't even believe dinosaurs existed. There's a brain teaser for you. Hawaii! Hawaii. Kai means excellent in Hawaii, and it's also my last name. Alaska. Alaska! In Alaska, there are a lot of things. One of them is the world's largest chocolate waterfall. Watch out! Johnny? Yeah. So what do uh, you think? <laughs> Do you like it? <laughs> that was amazing. You really think so? You liked it? I loved it. Thank you very much. I've been fletching. He's totally red right now. I was just trying to get all the blocking right so Starly wouldn't yell at me. <laughs> do, do you yell at him? I wanted to do really. I wanted to do it good. <laughs> he did good though. That was great. Hey, uh, Starly, can I get that sandwich now? Oh yeah, one sandwich coming up. Here you go. Wait, this is it? Looks good, right? It's two pieces of white bread on a plate. What are you talking about? This doesn't look like a very good sandwich. Do you have any mustard? I don't have any mustard. I was expecting a deli-quality sandwich. You, all you said was sandwich. Okay. Didn't, you didn't get specific. Uh, guys, the I'm, I'm going to jump off here. In the bread, not uh, thanks. Bread. It looks like a sandwich. settled that whole sandwich the business. Room, they would say, oh, whose sandwich is that? I can't eat a dry sandwich. Who are you, Haley? No. your favorite one-hit wonder or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have or that tv show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon now what if we could fix it i'm francesca ramsey and i'm delon grant and after 20 years of friendship we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called let me fix it each episode we'll dig into our favorite celebrities shows and brands of yesteryear and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today think of our show as an intervention but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Wednesday. It is perhaps a good thing that Starley has just given me a refresher course on the U.S. of A., as I am supposed to deliver a lecture there at a radio conference in Illinois on Friday. The thing is, though, that I still haven't finished writing it, and I'm nervous. So I call up my friend David a Canadian living in New York, to share with him my concerns. I don't know what I have to teach news reporters and radio documentarians, I say. These are serious people, professionals, journalists. I mean, I make radio dramas. It is at this point that David says he is going to stop me right there. I'm going to stop you right there. Wh- what? This is in Chicago. I would, I would simply advise you to uh, use the American and or British pronunciation of the word D-R-A-M-A. Drama. No. Drama. Drama. Yeah. You will just you will just throw them from the roller coaster if you say drama. You will lose them almost immediately. They will they will think he said drama. Well I mean they know that I'm Canadian, so I mean maybe they'll yeah, find but it's, of all the many charming Canadian pronunciations in the world, mm-hmm. 
No, it's not one of them. Nor is pasta. They don't. They wouldn't find that a little exotic. Yes, but exotic in all its sort of icky ethnocentric nineteenth uh, century anthropologist assumption kind of ways. Oh. Do you know what I mean? They would think that you were kind of lesser, less intelligent than you actually are. Right. Can you say drama trippingly off your tongue? Try it. Drama. Yeah, it's it's. No. I'm gonna forget. I mean, I'm not gonna. Then be what I would advise you to say is. Uh, Something along the lines of like, I don't know why I'm here at a reporting, you know, essentially a radio documentary festival, because what I essentially do are little radio plays. So just avoid, yeah, uh, avoid the drama. Yeah, avoid the word drama. It's the way. It's the way. Like when someone says um, instead of whore, they say whore. Yeah, that's off-putting. Doesn't it make you think that yeah, that they come from an inbred population who've been you know drinking the local bilge water and thereby trace metals and all that. And you think and you think this is comparable? It it sounds it sounds sort of small town. And there's some charm there. Yeah. But with all those small town values. Right. Oh god. Don't get me started on small town values. No. Sorry. But that's that's just my little bit of advice to you. On top of everything I'm nervous about. David has also made me worried that I'm going to show up seeming like a Lederhosen-clad foreign exchange student. Thursday. Still worried about the lecture, I wake up out of a dream in which the venue has been changed at the last minute from Evanston, Illinois, to my parents' basement. Instead of a podium, my notes sit on a pile of old TV guides, the only people in attendance are my parents and Howard Stern. He is dressed in an American flag top hat like Uncle Sam. As I nervously read through my notes, the room grows smaller and smaller until finally I am nose to nose with Stern. I see my reflection in his round mirrored sunglasses and it is not a pretty sight. Saturday. I've completed my lecture and it went off with no major gaffes, and so I'm feeling pretty happy. Highlights include someone pointing out that I have shaving cream on my earlobe and being told by a hunched, bespectacled man that he used to have a sports jacket exactly like mine until his ex-wife made him throw it out. In such moments, I am reminded that the beauty of radio is that you cannot be seen. Back at my hotel room, I take a victory bath. It's something akin to a victory lap, except without clothes and all that running. I love taking baths, but hardly ever get to have a proper one because my tub at home is about the size of one of those buckets in which cowboys soak in old westerns. While my home tub does succeed in making me feel like a big man, in much the same way that drinking from a tiny espresso cup does, and I never have to worry about falling asleep and drowning, it would be as difficult as drowning in a shallow bowl of consomme. It does feel like a treat to have my legs and arms wet at the same time. I sink beneath the water, and for the next several seconds, I bask. Sunday. As I am checking out of the hotel, the clerk looks at my file and says, Canada, eh? The other white meat. I laugh, 
but my laughter is mostly out of gratitude for not having been charged for the $5 bottle of minibar water I accidentally opened the night before. I continue to laugh as I slowly inch backwards towards the door, towards Canada, towards friends, and towards family. Hello? Hey, Dad. Why are you calling me on the other line, Johnny? Oh, I'm sorry. Because I said I don't like to talk on this phone. Oh, how come? It gives me a headache, I think. Well, how, how come it gives you a headache? I don't know. There's something in maybe the airwaves, the electrical waves or something, these cell things. I doubt you can get a headache from a cell phone. Well, I don't know. I'm starting to get one right now. <laughs> okay, I'll call you back. Hello? Yeah. Yeah, hi. Anyway, so how was your trip in uh, Illinois? It was uh, it was good. Um, it uh, it was nice, but it's uh, but it's also you know it also feels good to be back in Canada. I'm glad you're back and your trip was safe. Yeah. Hey. Um. How long has it been since you've been uh, living in Canada? Since '73, so it's about 35 years. Wow. So it's almost half your life. Uh. Yes. Almost half my life. I mean, would you would you have ever imagined? You know, when you when you were when you were you know growing up in 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 Brooklyn, that you would have ended up an an older man in Canada. In reality, no. I never thought I'd end up in somewhere else, in another country, and it, you know, and it really a different culture too, from, to a great many degrees. Did you find yourself making social faux pas as a kind of like freshly minted Canadian? Oh yeah, very much. Did you feel like when you first came? People uh, s sort of teased you for your accent. Yes. Yeah. When I used to say coffee, a dog. And and did you mind when people uh, teased sometimes you? Sometimes it funny? was annoying. Uh, sometimes I didn't. I took offense to it. Sometimes, yeah. Really? Like in what circumstances? Oh, well, if they would uh, make fun of a word I pronounce in a very New Yorky kind of way. You like? I can't think of it. Uh, uh, oh, like sometimes I had the habit if I say the word the the country Cuba. Mm -hmm. I would say Cuba. Wow, your accent was much stronger yeah, back then. Much then. stronger. Yeah, I kind of—I don't know why—but there was an R at the end of the Cuba for some reason. Even to this day, you know. Are you surprised? Do you, do you hear do you, do you hear an accent in yourself? Do you Only if I hear a recording. If I if you play back something to me, I hear the accent. Not now. I don't hear it as I speak. Even yeah. And how would you pronounce uh, uh, my name? What do you call me? Johnny. Why? How would a Canadian pronounce your name? Maybe maybe it would be more like Johnny. Oh, yeah, Johnny. Maybe more like yeah. that, yeah. yeah. And how would you pronounce F-L-O-R-I-D-A? I guess Flor Flor Florida. Florida? Florida? Two ways. If you weren't thinking about it. Florida. So, uh... Well, maybe Florida. So, I mean, so, so it's sort of like, at this point, I mean, you've been here... Florida, and... Johnny. That's the way I said it in New York. Florida. And that's the way you'll always say it. I guess. What you say? You say that with such resignation. No, I mean, yeah, yeah you know, I mean, I'm a new, I, you know, let's face it. If you, you, what's the old saying about taking the boy out of the country? We can't take the country out of the boy. But what? But what do you feel like? I mean, do you feel like a Canadian now? Uh, I feel like a Canadian. Yeah, I feel. I I, I feel both. I cheer for both teams in the, the Olympic Games. But I feel Canadian. I feel a, a stronger. Uh, I have a stronger feelings for Canada. But why do you why do you now feel more Canadian than American? Well, this country's been good to me. I remember the first time, the first 
the uh, we came here at New Year's. It was for me. I found extremely, extremely cold, but something beautiful. There was a little bit of snow on the ground. It was just around Christmas time, and it was so quiet. It was so quiet and peaceful. The street. Yeah. I was happy. This country has offered me a lot of opportunities. It even offered me the opportunity to learn French, which I found hard going. You know, when you get older, it's very difficult. I would have enjoyed. I would have liked it. G- give me a little bit of your French. What? What, what can I say? Comment ça va? Ça va bien. Wow, and you made it all these years on that French. Yeah, terrible French. Well, that that's that's kind of amazing. Ça va bien. Et toi? <laughs> Ça va bien. Monday. Evening. Tucker and I are sitting on my couch, passing a container of Haagen-Dazs chocolate ice cream back and forth. In between delightful spoonfuls, I tell Tucker about my earlier conversation with my father. This gets him thinking about some of the other differences between Canada and America, like the currency. Wouldn't it be great if the Canadian dollar and the Canadian calorie were somehow linked, he asks. How do you mean, I ask back. Like, when the American dollar is weak, Tucker says, American calories would also become weak. So when 100 Canadian calories are the same as 82 American calories, the time would be right to go over the border and rent a motel room and spend the weekend eating hamburgers and milkshakes. And then the moment you cross back into Canada, you instantly get fatter, I ask? Yes, Tucker replies, but the beauty of it is that since we weigh ourselves in kilograms, we'd still be able to trick ourselves into believing we're fit. Whatever happened to those colonies on the moon we were promised? A place where we could all join together to eat ice cream all day long, while still being able to bounce around as light as smoke. It is this dream of endless guilt-free ice cream that I think makes us all, whether Canadian or American, ultimately the same. All dreamers, all potential victims of the unbearable fatness of being. Let's get together. Let's get together. Sing a happy song. Sing a happy song. Canada forever. Canada forever. Go and ride along. On Wiretap today, you heard Starley Kine and Arthur Jones, David Rakoff and Buzz Goldstein. Wiretap is produced by Jonathan Goldstein with Mira Bertwintonic and Crystal Duhame. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.